God bless everyone. Welcome to the very first uh, research podcast that hopefully will be continuing on and this will be an ongoing thing for us. I'm very blessed to to um, to be doing this and I hope that you guys be blessed through it. Uh, I want to open up and start us off by reading the portion for, for this week uh, and you will find that in Genesis chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 1 to verse 6. Uh, so if you are opening up your Bibles, please do so to Genesis 15, verse 1. And the word of God says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, ye have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you at this moment, asking that as we consider this text and meditate upon this portion we pray lord that you would speak to us that you would reveal your truth to us that you would be opening up our eyes uh, to the necessities in our own lives the things that we need to reflect upon from this text and apply it to ourselves father just pray lord that through our meditation, we may get a glimpse of your character, of who you are. We ask in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. It is great blessing when we are able to study scripture in a perpetual manner in which we study portion by portion, as opposed to reading a portion in isolation and, and focus solely on that text. What tends to happen is that we miss out on what has come prior to that text that might feed into the text under study and this can be and has been true of this very important portion of scripture that we've just read in which we have a bit of a bad habit of pulling this text out from within its context um, that it's found in and then spoken of why does this play an important part in our study of this text well, it may answer for us a more accurate response to the question that arises from this portion, and that is, why was Abraham afraid? Right? If you just start off right from this, this chapter, you're not aware of what has come prior. And so verse 1 informs us that there came a moment in his life that Abraham experienced a certain fear or concern to the point that it swelled up God's 
a heart with compassion towards Abraham, leading God to visit Abraham in a vision, a vision to bring comfort and ease of mind upon the heart of Abraham. So with that in mind, let, let, let's refresh our memories with what has come before this moment in the life of Abraham. If you recall, there emerged a great war within the region to which Abraham and his people were living in, to which news came to Abraham that his nephew had lost everything and was taken captive as a result of such a war. And this, as you recall, led Abraham to take action, leading a small army of 318 men against the armies of the surrounding nations. And in, in this strenuous effort on behalf of Abraham and his men, God would give Abraham the victory over the armies of the enemy and allowed him to bring back his nephew in all that he had lost back home safely. An effort, may I remind you, that would have taken possibly up to even a year of the life of Abraham. And all the while, while this was occurring, you know, while Abraham was out in this great mission, we're informed that the king priest Melchizedek was busy offering up prayers and sacrifices on, on behalf of Abraham for his protection and successful venture. And thus we see that Abraham acknowledges the king priest's effort and acknowledges God's response to his prayers. And so Abraham does this in such a wonderful way, and that's by giving his, his tithing, his one-tenth of all the spoils that he had gained at the end of his, his victory over the nations. Now, in an ideal world, this would be the perfect place to conclude this great and wonderful story of how God works in, in people's lives, in, in, in the lives of those that God loves. But this is not how life works, as we might be very familiar with by now. Our life goes on. And even though we might have found victory in one area of our lives, we must be ready for that next challenge. For Abraham, it came in the form of the king of Sodom, tempting him to come under the banner of the king of Sodom, right? Under his protection, you know, trying to get him to acknowledge him as his king and sovereign by handing him over what he requested, essentially, of Abraham and thus accepting what he was offering him. But because of the interceding prayer of the king priest Melchizedek, he was reminded of God's favor in his life that it was because of God that Abraham was able to be successful in his mission, in this venture. And so thus, he, he was strengthened by the Lord to deny King of Sodom everything that he requested. And this is what has come before this text. This is the, the history. And as we make our way through tonight's portion or this week's portion, it's important that we have that context firmly in the back of our minds. 
But when we arrive at this, this verse, in particular verse 1, we read these words. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. So what is these after these things? Well, it's all that we've just briefly recapped for you. So let us take the portion at hand for this week and let's read the very first verse and we'll break this down. Verse 1 says this, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And we'll leave it there for now. Verse 1 begins by informing us that Abraham has now fallen into what seems to be a very low point in his life. I don't think I would be stretching the truth by saying or suggesting to you that Abraham may have fallen into depression and fear. Uh, I don't believe that this was one of just, you know, like sometimes we have an off day where everything seems to be kind of falling apart or, or maybe it's just one of those weeks or, you know, what have you that sometimes we fall into and, you know, we, we tend to kind of just brush off and, you know, we'll get over it in a, in a, in a few weeks time or whatever. You know, it's not one of those things. The, the, the fact that God acknowledges his feet to the point that he had to come and visit Abraham in a vision or to suggest to us that this was far more serious than just like a, a, one of those, you know, moments where we all go through and, and kind of struggle with certain things. And, you know, this was an, an, an actual, uh, a dark place or a dark moment in the life of Abraham. And so the question becomes... What has happened in between these two portions? Because we see such a different Abraham, right? From, from chapter 15, it is a very different Abraham to chapter 14, where we see him, you know, in victory. So what, what may have caused this fear in his heart? Well, that's, as suggested, the, the phrase, after all these things informs us that it stems from what has previously come. And so we gather that in some way, this victory of Abraham was now playing in his mind, causing anxiety, causing this fear within his heart. Now, we may stop and think to ourselves at this moment and say, wait, hold on. How can this be messing with him at this point? I mean... Abraham has just overcome this great victory. He literally just took on nations with 318 other men. He has just denied the king of Sodom his temptations and all these things that he was throwing at him. You know, he came in the strength of the Lord and he has overcome all these things. How can Abraham now be in such a low state after such a great high? We would think that, you know, normally now what, what someone would do is, is celebrate, rejoice, live it up, right? Because, because of what 
what they've received in the Lord. But that's not what we see here in Abraham. We are told that he is in a state of fear, in a state of anxiety, in, in, in a place where he's constantly just thinking about his situation. And so I guess what we, we may want to ask ourselves now is this. Well, what could possibly be wrong? Well, the truth of the matter is this. The reality is that Abraham lived in a time and place where retribution was inevitable, right? You could just place yourself in Abraham's shoes. Yes, he has just had this massive victory uh, where naturally maybe the natural man would, would boast and rejoice. But Abraham is a wise man. He knows how things work. He knows that what he has achieved, though it, it seems great on paper, isn't going to go down too well with his enemies. Like right now at this moment, now that maybe his 318 men, maybe, maybe they're rejoicing, maybe they're enjoying their time recuperating, now might be the best time for his enemies to regather their strength and come after Abraham and his family. Now might be the best time for these guys to come together. And on top of this, last week's portion, we saw how Abraham denied King, King of Sodom, essentially humiliating him, shaming him, embarrassing him. Right? We know that, that the King of Sodom was essentially tempting him. And he denies him and shuts him down. At, the, at that moment, it, it was truly one of those cases of, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. At least maybe from the perspective of, of King of Sodom, right? That this guy has defeated my enemies. This guy's going to be my friend. But Abraham was a, straight up with him. He's like, I'm not even going to take a dime from you, essentially. Nothing. I don't want even a, a shoestring from you, lest you say that you helped me or that you take the credit. And so the point that I'm trying to make here is that, that he not only had his enemies that he's just conquered, but he may possibly had made a new enemy in King of Sodom by his humiliation. And so maybe that's plaguing his mind. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I should have taken that bribe. Maybe I should have taken the money. It would have been a lot easier for me right now. I mean, I could just imagine from a human perspective, these thoughts running through your mind. What have I gotten myself into? And I love the fact that we see this in Abraham because he makes, it makes him so relatable. This is something that we would struggle with. This is something that we ourselves would go through. I imagine the thought process, you know, when we begin to wind down and, and, and eventually these thoughts creep into our head. Have I done the right choice? Again, we see that this is something that the life of, of living 
you know, by faith and not by sight is this constant. I take a bold step and I see God's hand. And then after the victory, I reflect and say, oof, have I done the right choice? Have I taken the right step? And so we see that Abraham at this moment is conflicted. You know, when I went into battle against these, these armies, Humanly speaking, he may be thinking to himself, you know, at that time, I was able to do it with 318 men because they weren't expecting me. Maybe at that time, I was, I was able to be a bit more cunning. You know, I had the element of surprise. I had uh, King Melchizedek praying and lifting up, you know, sacrifices on my behalf, but I don't have that anymore. If these guys were to come now, I'm exhausted from this battle. I'm old. You know, you begin to reflect upon yourself and you think, oh, man, I'm, I'm old, I'm fragile, I'm on my way out. I've gone over the hill. I, I, ex I exhausted myself in this one venture. And if these guys were to come now, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready for that. So we begin to see that these are the things that are pressing in his heart. These are the things that Abraham is struggling with right now. So God says to him at this very, very pivotal moment in his life, this really... Uh, low point in the life of Abraham and he says to him I am your shield like I love the way that God comes to Abraham in this loving father um, way beyond what any human father could you see you see his father fatherly love here towards Abraham when he comes and, and visits him in this vision, and he says, he reminds him essentially to refocus because at this point, what we tend to do when we begin to worry, when we begin to be overwhelmed by all the stresses and all the anxieties and all the thoughts that are uh, emerging from within us, you know, because all these fears essentially stem from us, you know, we've got to remind ourselves that we are corrupted, we are broken, and from that corruption, uh, it bubbles up all these thoughts of negativity and, and all these thoughts of, of, of weaknesses. And so we see that sometimes it can become crippling. And, and we see fa this Father, this Heavenly Father, come and step in and ease the anxiety of Abraham. But the way that He does it is so important because and, and it's so relatable to any and all of us because... It's the same pattern that what we do when we fall into this pit is we begin to focus a lot more upon ourselves and our situation and our misery um, that we lose sight of God in all of that. And so God comes and He reminds him, I am your shield. And what essentially is happening in just that statement 
is this acknowledgement that we are weak. That God is acknowledging this. And thus reminding Abraham, you're weak. You're vulnerable. And that's what we see here. What God is doing is calling Abraham to come under his protection because we are weak. I am your shield. This is what is important for us to do. I mean, it's such an easy concept. It's such a, a basic teaching. But one that is so important for us to put into practice. We have to force ourselves to, to come to this place sometimes. Run to the Father who's saying to us, I am your shield. I am your protection. I know that right now you're going through this moment, this, this mental struggle, this anxiety, these, these things that they haven't happened. And, you know, logically speaking, it seems like the reasonable thing. It just makes sense. But what I need you to do is to trust that I am your shield. I just love that that covering I see this in my children and I remember this in my childhood as well that when fears stem begin to grow in my heart there was no safer place at least it felt like for me there was no safer place for me to be than to be in my parents arms and I see that as well in my children that they feel the safest in my arms, in my, my wife's arms. They feel protected from whatever dangers they are, are facing. They, they feel protected from whatever possible threats that they are imagining in their own heads, right? But when they feel that their father is carrying them, is holding them, there's this sense of ease and comfort. And so we see God is calling Abraham, come, come to me, come under my wing, under my protection. Maybe God is telling you this today, to come under him, come under his protection, under his love, under his covering. You are vulnerable. You are weak and you are fragile. He acknowledges that. That's why he calls you to himself. Because when we are weak, he is our strength. When you are weak, he is made strong. He is made strong in your weakness. So he welcomes you. The other aspect that stems from here shares light in in what God says to him. He says, your reward shall be great. See, I believe that Abraham's concern was dualistic. On the one hand, he was concerned with his, um, with all the things that was going on in terms of those possible threats that he may be facing, uh, you know, in his mind, he's calculated, 
You know what I mean? He's, he's a very smart man, Abraham. He's calculative. He's wise. And so he's aware of the situation that, you know, right now is not the time to, to boast and relax and get comfortable. Now is the time to be constantly in, in, in preparation for war. I mean, you saw that even in the life of David, that when he had victory, when he went to war with a nation, sorry, with another nation, it just meant that he has stirred the pot and other people are going to come after him now. And, and the life of David was constant war, right? And so we see Ab uh, Abraham here just in that preparation. He's just ready. He knows he's anticipating. So on the one hand, he's anticipating the worst, right? Uh, it's, it's something we all do, prepare for the worst, right? Hope for the best, prepare for the worst type of mentality, right? But right now he's just stuck on this. I need to prepare for the worst because they're going to come back for me. I know that. I know that. Right? And so on the one hand, he's fearful uh, for his life. But on the other hand, there's a deeper, a more real concern. For me, I, if I can present this to you or share this with you, I, I see this in this text. It's not explicit, but I, I'm putting myself in, in Abraham's shoes for a moment reflecting upon this this um i am your shield and then i am you know your reward shall be great this promise here it, it, it speaks of this dualistic concern that abraham has and i love that god already knows what is in his heart and it's more fleshed out in verses um two and three when, when Abraham just pours his heart out, his concern, he's like, God, you have promised me an heir, right? And so God already says, your reward shall be great, right? And so this is the other concern that Abraham has. On the surface, it is this eminent danger that is pressing closer and closer and closer. But beneath the surface, the fundamental reason for his concern is the fact that if he does go into battle once again, he might fall and die. In other words, he might die in this battle. I don't think the fear of death is really the main concern here, as expressed in this text. But if he does die, that he will die without an heir. That's his concern. So you begin to see now the, 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 the depth of this. This is a more serious manner matter sorry it, it, it's it's complex and you, you begin to see that this is the nature of a, a true believer it is not just this materialistic thing it is not just a, a concern for or you know the exteriors it's a concern for the for the inside for for something much more fundamental and yes in one sense it is that he's afraid of dying but not for the reasons you think He's afraid of dying because he might die without an heir. And even that is not for the reasons you think as well. I want to give more credit to Abraham here than most commentators give when, when these commentators consider this text because they just completely slaughter Abraham. You know, he should have had more faith. But I, I like to think that his concern, his concern was that he hasn't had an heir yet, someone to, to whom he's going to give all that he has to. He's concerned about the promise of God. I say this because 
I think when you reach a certain age, <laughs> you've kind of, for the most of your life, Abraham would have accepted he ain't get, getting any children. That would have been something he learned how to deal with and accept a long, long time ago, even before God had come and promised him a lineage. Um, and so I don't think his main concern is the fact that he's not going to have any children. Like, obviously, he wants that. But he would have learned to accept it by now, I'm sure. His concern is God's reputation in this. I think in that fundamental aspect, yeah, on one side, it's lopsided, I think. A lot of it is focused on himself for sure. But there is this sense as well in the heart of Abraham that he's concerned for Abraham. And, I, and the reason why I share this with you is because, again, Placing ourselves in the situation of Abraham, Abraham would have shared this promise with his wife, undoubtedly. You know, Sarah, or Sarah, Sarah, or Sarai at the time, Sarai, Sarai, God has spoken to me. He has revealed to me. He has given me a promise that we will have a child. Uh, I'm sure eventually at one stage, you know, at the beginning anyway, Sarai had her doubts, right? He would have shared this. Sarai would have been emotional. She would have been, she would have shared this. This is a promise. Guys, I, I, I've gotten this from God and I, I'm trusting God that He's going to deliver in this promise. And now it's coming to this stage where, man, I've just gone into war with <laughs> all these other countries, all these other armies. I'm sure they're going to eventually come back for me. They're eventually going to come and, and take revenge. And I still haven't, I, I I don't even have an ounce of, a glimpse of hope that this heir of mine is going to come anytime soon. And I want to give you perspective. Like by this time, Abraham would have been in, in the land of Canaan at least 10 years. At least 10 years he's been carrying this promise. 10 years of, of constantly, you know, if, if this was in our time, checking those, those strips, those pregnancy tests and saying, Any, anything yet? And Sarai is like, no, nah, not yet. But you know what I mean? Like the, that, that eminent promise is just 10 years and, and now there's the eminent threat. There's that possible, uh, possible threat of his life ending soon and still there's no sign of it. And so he's just pressing on God saying, God, where is this happening? It's been 10 years, Lord. When is this going to happen? What about your name? I've told everyone that you're going to do this for me. I've seen you, your hand over my life when you called me out of my homeland. I saw you overcome the threats of Egypt, my famine, right? I saw you deliver me. I saw your hand over when, over my life when Lot picked the better land. I saw your hand over my life when, with 318 men and took on more than one nation. I saw your hand. But this, I'm still yet waiting. It's been more than 10 years now, God. You can begin to see the depths. And this is why I was telling you that this isn't just a, 
a lousy way. This is years and years and years in the making. And now with this imminent threat just around the corner, it's just intensified. Lord, I've been patient for 10 years. Lord, you know, you know that I'm not wrong, that there's this danger that I could face. You know that I'm tired. You know that I'm old. And so we begin to see that this promise is just growing into the, more and more in, in its impossibility. All right. The intensity is growing here. Is God going to deliver in his promise? In the last verses of the text that we, we get to uh, study this week, the Word of God tells us that God takes him out outside and makes him look towards heaven. And he tells him to number the stars. And I love that he does this. He tells him to number them because up until now, God has noticed that Abraham has been so focused and calculative in the way that he's approaching his situation. I mentioned to you that Abraham is very calculative. He's a very smart man. He's not, he's not a fool. He's a very wise man. And so he's gathered all these information, right? He's taken his age. He's taken his situation. He's considered how long it's been since he's, he first received the promise of God. And he's kind of calculating it all in his head. Um, and he's, he's seeing that the, the end result points to this inevitable, I guess, empty promise, if you will, that, that he just can't see this promise being fulfilled in his life. It's been 10 years. I've been faithful for 10 years. Yes, I've seen your favor over my life. Yes, you've been good to me, but it just doesn't seem like this is going to happen. You know that I'm in this turmoil right now. You know that I'm facing this threat right now. And if I go into battle again, I ain't going to make it through this time. And so, God takes him outside. Essentially says to him, you want to calculate? You want a number? Come outside. It's almost like he, he, he mocks him almost in, in a fatherly, fatherly way. Um, he's like, you want to count? Count the stars. Count the stars that are that I have placed in the sky. Count the stars. It's so amazing that he does this. And he say, and you get this sense of humor because he says, if you can number them. And he does this purposely so that he can reflect upon the God that created everything. A lot of the times in our struggles, in our battles, in our moments of weaknesses, Something that is so important for us to do in our spiritual walk is always to put our situation in the right context. Much like scripture, you've got to put it in the right context. You've got to put your situation in the right context, in the right perspective. And the way to do that, at least in Abraham's story up until this point, is to go outside and reflect upon creation. I think that that is something that we can do as believers in our moments of weakness is to go outside and see God's creation, to see God's work. Scripture tells us everywhere, you know, your works declare His glory. You know, your creation declares your power. It, it glorifies you. It reveals who you are. And so when we go outside sometimes, we're overwhelmed by the power and the glory of God. 
in our society, there's this, I guess, remedy, if you will. When, when you can't sleep, you're told to count sheep. God's telling you to count stars because you're never going to be able to na- number them all. But, uh, but more than that, you're reminded of who created them. It's like he says to Abraham, Abraham, you want to count? Count the stars. You won't even be able to do that. You can't even number the stars. I can. Not only can I number them, I name them. Not only do I name them, I hang them. I sustain them. I created them. What makes you think that your situation is beyond my control? It's that perspective of knowing who our God is. Don't ever consider your situation beyond your God's control. Don't ever blow up your circumstance higher or bigger or larger or more powerful than your God. He is the one who's in control. This is how he reconciles Abraham's vision of what he anticipated for for himself. What Abraham had considered for himself, you know, which was, oh mate, I'm not going to get my inheritance. I'm not going to have an heir. That's the situation he, he thinks. And he takes this and he says, all right, go outside. I'm going to show you why what I said can and will happen because I am the creator God that created all that you see simply by speaking it into creation. Nothing is beyond me. After God gives him this perspective, this godly perspective. The word of God says that he believed the Lord. You see, we stop believing or trusting in God when we take our focus away from him and place it into our situation or into ourselves. We stop believing or trusting God's promise when we look away from Him and to ourselves. And that's why it's important that we take those moments of of struggles, those moments where we are at our low point, to be reminded of the grandeur, the majesty, the power of our God, to remember His works, and all that he has done, everything, begin to think upon all the things that God has done, it will overwhelm you to the point where you no longer will consider your situation an impossible situation. Your faith will increase. And this is what we see God doing in the life of Abraham. He's increasing his faith. To the point that after he went and saw a bunch of stars, he realized that his God is mighty. He saw stars and was reminded 
of God's power. And he trusted and believed in him. And as a result, the word of God says that God counted this as righteousness for him. He counted it as righteousness. So I want to encourage you all that no matter what it is that you're going through, we all go through things. So whatever it is that you are facing right now, whatever seems impossible in your life, maybe do what God did with Abraham in this portion and go outside, count the stars, and be reminded of the glory of God, of the power of God, of the love of God. Be reminded of who it is that you serve. He is not a weak God that can't do anything about your situation. You're the weak one. And that's why he says, come to me for I am your shield. And as a result of this increased faith that God does in the life of Abraham, which is so wonderful. God works in him, increases his faith, and he says, because of this faith, I'm going to reward you. God's just so good. In the next portions to come, we will see how um, God makes this covenant with Abraham. Um, so for that, we're going to have to come back to our cell group. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that but for now let's just close up in prayer father we just want to thank you lord for your goodness your favor that even when you give us an imperative even when you give us an instruction it's always rooted or bound within the framework of grace that if you tell us to do something you also provide for us the means through which we will do it Fear not, you told Abraham, because you are our shield. And the reward for believing is very great. Lord, sometimes our circumstances get the better of us. But would you, in those moments, just as you did with Abraham, increase our faith, remind us of how great you truly are and above all remind us that you truly are that great great reward we thank you we bless you in the name of jesus we pray amen